0: What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is Friday, February 17th, 2023. As always, I am PK alongside my co-host and best buddy, Phil, is in the house. Phil, Wednesday felt like fake spring, and it got my hopes up, and I didn't like it, because now, Friday night, it's supposed to snow. Yeah, we gotta remember,
1: there's a Bandits home game coming up, and the weather will always be terrible that's true. when you have to walk downtown, because that's just how it goes for some reason. Again, same this exact situation on a Wednesday before the game, it's 50, gorgeous, and you wouldn't mind walking downtown, even with a little bit of wind, and now it's going to snow on Friday and be miserable probably on Saturday when we have to actually walk downtown. And it happens every single time, but as true Buffalonians, I also was uh, not fooled by the fake spring, but that doesn't make it any easier. You get that little taste of warm weather, a little bit of niceness, and it's it's very easy to give into, even though you know right around the corner is uh what are we on? Second winter is this are we up to now? Yeah, this
0: is second winter. Yeah. All right.
1: I I think we are at the start of, of second winter, so that'll be for a little while. And I don't I don't remember exactly how it goes if there's another fake spring tossed in there before a third winter. Usually there's I know we've had snow on around Easter multiple years in a row, so I don't think we're anywhere near done. I don't think anybody thinks we're anywhere near done, but like you said, that little bit of warm weather feels great, and
0: it just gets your hopes
1: up that little bit, even though you know snow is is coming quick. And
0: as a true Buffalonian, I had windows open in my house the other day just to air out the house and try to get, you know, when you have foster dogs running around and two of your own dogs and then me and Brooke in the house too – You want to air out the house every once in a while. So when the opportunity presents itself, you got to do it. So if you're like me and you aired out your house as well, let us know by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo sports collective and on Twitter at Buffalo sports code. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, wherever you listen to podcasts, check out our website at Buffalo sports collective.com and check for the time breakdowns in the description of the show. Phil, I'm going to try to make these transitions as awkward as possible moving forward. And, uh, that's the start of it. So we will start with the Sabres here. Two games to go over. Monday versus the Kings. Lost five to two. They were actually down five nothing at one point midway through the third period and uh, chipped in two meaningless goals they were scored by Cousins and Krebs. Anderson, 23 of 28 saves. Shots were just 29 to 28 in favor of the Sabres. Very low scoring or low shooting game, not low scoring because it was 5 to 2, but that's typical of a Kings game. And then on Wednesday, flash forward to one of the worst teams in hockey, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I will still continue to call them the Mighty Ducks for as long as I live because they are the Mighty Ducks. Not so mighty in this one. Lost 7-3. The Sabres won (laughs) 7-3. Goals by Jost, Tage Thompson, Krebs Middlestead, Tuck, Zemgis Gergensen and Dylan Cousins. Comrie was in net in this one making 19 of 22 saves. Shots themselves were 44 to 22 so the Sabres doubled them up. Their record is sitting at 27 22 and 4 on the season with 30 to go. Yeah, the Kings game, we can
1: start there. It was pretty lackluster overall. I mean, we understand, like you just kind of mentioned a little bit, the Kings style, and we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, is very similar to the New York Islanders. They're a very heavily defensive team that then focuses on their counterattacks to make you pay, and going up, going down 5 nothing against a team like this is never good. But even the way the Kings were scoring, I mean, it was one of those games where every single bounce, every single shot was just – Pinpoint perfect or every bounce went right their way. I mean, the one off the board stuck in Anderson's skates where he had no idea where it was, even though he felt it, looked down, didn't see it. I mean, it was just one of those games that even though the shots were pretty even, I don't think the scoring chances were all that even in favor of the Sabres versus the Kings, but this, the bounces, the shots, the way everything went down, it was one of those games where, I, I mean, we've, we've said this a couple more times than we'd like recently where you just want to forget it, but this was just... A bad luck game that everything that could go right for the Kings went right for the Kings. Like you said, two meaningless goals at the end of the game. But at the same time, those are the kind of goals at the end of a game like that. They give you a little bit of something to take away that lead into the next game. So meaningless to the score, maybe meaningless to the team. I think it it means something to them to put a couple in and just kind of roll that into the Ducks game, which they
0: ended up doing. Yeah, I think that summed it up perfectly. It was meaningful towards them because the two players that scored in that one also scored in the Ducks game. But I think you hit the nail on the head that the the Kings just play this certain style of hockey where if they go up, you're not going to be able to come back from them. I remember when the Kings were here in Buffalo and that was one of the games I went to where it was 0-0 after two periods and you're like, oh man, this is a very boring game. And then the Sabres scored, I think, six in the third period. Where if you can get up on the Kings, if you can get up on a team like the Islanders, you make them play your style of hockey. Where if you go down on them early, and that's exactly what happened here. I mean, the second period killed them. It, it's, it seems to be the Sabers' kryptonite is the second period. It seems that you have to go play their style then. That you have to make the comebacks. You have to adjust your game to them. Where you're not playing your own quick, fast-paced game like the Sabres like to play. But two power play goals. Short-handed goal. That's the big difference in this one. Sabers were one for f- one for five on the power play. It seemed like they played better in the second half of the game than the first half of the game, but that kind of comes with the you know going out west, which this team had been very good at. But I guess transitioning it into the Ducks game, this was a game you needed to win. This is one of the worst teams in the NHL. They're not going anywhere this year. This was a team that you needed to beat, and they did just that and snapped the four-game losing streak. Yeah, the biggest, two biggest things in this Ducks game, I mean, it got
1: a little bit scary there for a moment, not by shot standards, but by score standards. When they were down, I believe 3-2, they went up really early, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, here we go again with the Sabres that just can't seem to hold a first period lead, and then luckily they stormed immediately back and then just took over and beat a really bad team that they should have, but... The big thing for this one was the secondary scoring for me with, I mean, Yost, Krebs, Middlestad, I mean, even Tuck's goal, but Zemgis, Cousins, I mean, this was the exact opposite of the Kings game as far as luck goes in a way. I mean, every single shot that was taken by the Sabres was just one of those shots that was just pinpoint accurate. It wouldn't have gone in if it was anywhere else, but at the same time, it just, you know, if it was... A inch to the left or inch to the right, it probably wasn't going in. It was going off a of post and wide, but they just hit every single thing perfectly. But seeing players like Yost, like Zemgus, I mean Krebs, Middlestat, those kind of players picking up goals, those are always going to be big confidence boosters. And just seeing the way they scored, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of fun setups. I mean Middlestat now has kind of. Seem to have found his rhythm a little bit with that kind of shot. It's not the first time he has kind of pulled up and just whipped that wrist shot into that little corner. I think it's a couple of times he's done that now more recently. I think he's kind of starting to find a shot that works pretty well for him. And then the other aspect of this game was Comrie getting back in there. His game was kind of weird. I mean, I again, I know it's the Ducks, but I'll, I'll say it again because it happens now every single time Comrie plays that when the – I I guess currently third string goalie is out there. The defense seems to tighten up a little bit and they just don't want to allow shots on net. I mean, it was almost the entire first uh, period that the ducks didn't get a single shot in. And then even a little ways through the second, they only had four or five shots and Comrie let one of those in. But for the most part, I think he played okay. I think the screenshot from the point, there's no way he's going to be able to see that. Not really on him. I think the other two, he kind of overcommitted and might want to have back, but for him, I think this was a decent confidence builder. I think you're going to possibly need him down the stretch in case there is ever an injury, but he still seems a little off. I think it's going to be tough for him to ever really get going the rest of the season, as long as UPL continues to play the way he is and doesn't get injured in any way, because Kamri, you think, needs a lot of games in a row to really get moving again, but unfortunately for him, the Sabres don't really have that luxury to kind of throw him back in there and just see what he's got and really get him going. But I think these one and done kind of games are tough for him as a goalie to play. I think, I mean, I know they said his attitude's been really good and he's, you know, taking this with stride, understands the situation. So he's not a negative locker room, anything, but at the same time for his own play, I think it's going to be tough for him to ever really put together a solid performance until he gets two, three, four in a row and really kind of gets going again.
0: Yeah, I think Granado said it on WGR this morning, or Thursday morning, when he's normally on, and he just said that when you got Comrie back in that long stretch where he had like 13 games in 22 days or whatever it was, having the three goalies was a benefit. But now that the games are more spaced out and you're only doing like the one and dones, like you said, the goalies can't get in a rhythm. And I think that's what's hindering, you know, the Andersons that are, it got shaken up in the, in the LA game, but otherwise he's been pretty steady. The Comrie who's not getting con- his not been getting consistent play, even though they brought him in to kind of be that 1A goalie UPL is pretty much getting the load of it. And I think that's the way it should be. But I think in this one, like you said, started off the secondary scoring seven Sabres scored this one, 14 of the, of the players got at least a point for me. It's, I guess we can tie this into my question is what the Sabres need to do to keep climbing up the standings. It's, I think the Sabers need to get the rookies going. They need to get Quinn going. He had two assists on this one. He looked good, but he's still not looking to shoot first. He needs—he needs to be more selfish with the puck rather than try to find that perfect pass across. Like Middlestay was going down on that two-on-one, instead of trying to force the pass across, he—he he shot it and it went in. I think that what's—that's what Krebs needs to be doing. He was both Krebs and Paterka were doing that in December, where you had you know true number one and number two line, and then they kind of just went into this rookie rut and. I think that's part of the reason that Granado shaked up the lines on Monday and went right back to it on, on on the Wednesday game. But I think the also good move that I actually like is you had Krebs with uh, Poso and Gergensen for a long, long time. And he knew he wasn't going to stay there because he's too talented of a player to be playing more with grinders and, and energy guys at this point in their careers. So you put them back up with Casey and, and, and Olafson. I think that's going to unlock not just his game, but... Credit to Lance lazowski from the Buffalo News for getting this one, and I think I butchered your last name, but Middlestead's got 16 points in the last 21 games. You add him or add Krebs to a line that, you know, Olofsson's scoring with the best of them on five-on-five. On is five. quietly having a nice season now. You add in Krebs, who's a playmaker, I think that can be a legit second line until you can get your rookies back going because, I mean, Dylan Cousins is having a great year. That should wear off and spread to uh, Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka, but it just hasn't yet. We want to get it. You want to be moving and grooving at the perfect time, but you got to be in the position to be, you know, withstanding some of these ruts and hopefully this gets going. But like the, the other thing, like we said, depth scoring that needs to continue. You saw this in the, in the Wednesday game versus the ducks. Hopefully that keep going, but I'm going back to it. They need to bring in another more improved fifth or sixth defenseman to this team even if it's just a guy on an expiring contract you're looking to get over this hump that is the 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 drought that is 11 years running i think if you bring in a more depth defender who doesn't have to have term you don't have to worry about him taking place from your young guys who are up and coming and whatever he doesn't have to take time put him on the ice for 15 minutes a night lock that five six spot down and you're looking good yeah, I think
1: on the YouTube channel, I think there were just the Sabres highlights. Someone mentioned, you know, the the typical Sabres fan here, and here's everything wrong with my team. And they listed way too much, in my opinion. And the chain eventually went on, and there was another someone who wasn't a Sabres fan and said, you know, your team's actually super young, they're pretty good up and coming. And then that person right. eventually kind of commented back, so like, oh, no, I was talking more about this year. I know the future looks bright. And that's Again, just where I am with all of this, I am 100% on board with making a trade to bring someone in to try to get this team over the rut, but I think people are not looking too far ahead or anything. I mean, the Sabres are right there. There's no reason you cannot try to push for playoffs. There's no reason you can't look for playoffs. There's no reason you can't try to make a trade to make the push. I'm there for absolutely all of it, but I think at the same time, you also have to look just at what this team is. Like, I mean... Going into this season, we were hoping they would be in this position, but did we really believe that they'd be pushing for a playoff spot this late in the season? I I don't know, and I think it just it this team is still so much more built for the future than it is for this year, and again, I'm 100% on board with trying to make – I'm not trying to say give up on the season or anything like that, but I think just in the grand scheme of things, people have to also remember this team is extremely young. It is built for the future. It's not built for the now – Yes, getting to playoffs would be super exciting, and again, I'm all for getting to playoffs. I'm all for making a trade if we can make something happen exactly like you said. Not long-term, something quick, something to hopefully get over this hump, push him in. I'm all for it, but at the same time, this team is looking way better, I think, at this point in their rebuild than maybe we would have thought. I think they're ahead of schedule than what we would have yes, really believed them to be, and I think that's just what we have to also just take a, take a step back and look at this team as a whole and where this team's actually going. And again, this is nothing to say against this season or against pushing for playoffs. I am 100% here for it. But just the aspect of just where this team is is, as incredible as it is, is just impressive where they've already begun to get with their development and all these players and just this team's forming together much quicker than I think we actually even believed would happen.
0: Yeah, you put it well that you want to try to... You're you're in the race. You want to try to get over that hump and do it while also not harming your future. I'm not saying go out and get this high-powered... Right, Chichern, yeah, yeah. For example, you right. don't have to go get him if you don't want to, but I think you need to at least add a piece where it not only shows, hey, your fan base, hey, we know we're in position to do it, but also the players in the locker room saying, hey, we believe in you. Here's another piece to try to help you get over the hump. I think that would also pay dividends too but I think you you put it perfectly that this team is at least in our opinion because I'm with you the team is further ahead in their development than I thought they would be I wanted them to be in these meaningful games they're in them and I think they're even closer to a playoff race than I thought they would be in I thought they would probably be closer to where Philly is at 54 points you know in the race, but are you really in the race? Right. You still got meaningful games, but I think you know where they're sitting, and I think that's a good transition to the wild card to watch. Pittsburgh, seventh place, fifty-three games played, sixty-three points. Washington sitting in eighth, fifty-six games played, sixty-two points. New York Islanders, fifty-seven games played, sixty-one points. Florida, tenth, fifty-seven games, sixty points. Buffalo's sitting in eleventh, fifty-three games played, fifty-eight points. Detroit is tied with them, fifty-three games, fifty-eight points. Ottawa down in thirteenth, but they're still technically still in it i might bump them next time uh 53 games played 55 points in philly 55 games 54 points the biggest thing here is the teams that are in 11 12th, 13th all at 53 games the teams that are in front of them in 8th 9th and 10th have played three or four more games so if you win we've been saying this for how long if you win the games that you have in hand that you need to like the ducks game you can creep back up into the race. You're only four games back of Washington with three games in hand on them. It's it's there for the taking. You just need to actually capitalize on that.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it. They're still right there. The big thing with this team right now is they need to start stringing a lot of wins together. I mean, they just came off a four-game winless streak and then finally got a win. You can't have that anymore if you want to make playoffs. You are at a point in the season where sub- what 30 games left you have to start stringing a lot of wins together with only a couple losses here and there throughout the rest of the season in order to keep pace with all these other teams you cannot keep going into these slides of four or five games where you're on a losing streak even win two lose two it's not going to cut it you have to just yep. rattle off a five six seven eight game at least point streak it doesn't have to be necessarily wins get some overtime losses lose one you know you got to go 8-2, and 7-3, and three. you have to start stringing a lot more wins together than this team currently is. They're right there. They can absolutely do it. They just have to start putting it together a little bit more, but you are rapidly getting to the home stretch of the season, and wins are going to mean everything from here on out.
0: Yeah, I think I saw somebody put they need to win, like, 18 games to keep pace. So, what, win three, lose one, win three, lose one, win two, lose one? Those kind of rushes, those kind of, you know, games played there but you just can't go on those losing streaks like you said you can't go four games without a win it just can't happen or you fall further back they were tied for eighth place going into the all-star break and then this four game losing streak kicked them out but we'll move on to the bsc update phil earmuffs uh in this two game stretch i put up i doubled your score i had uh 22 to 11 uh you want to make any changes to your team or you want to keep fighting the good fight Uh. you got
1: Doing so well. Who I got? Olson. After and I knew he, the second I picked him up, he would go cold. He, he did, yes. But I don't know. Yes. Are You gonna go
0: Krebs? Krebs has been playing well.
1: Middlestad? I say like, like, Krebs or Middlestat. Really, the only other options right now. Whoever Yost, you grab, those gonna is fun, fall apart. All right. So, do I want to hurt Krebs or Middlestat? That's that's a question. Do you want to
0: threaten <laughs> olsen just saying, hey, I'm gonna drop. Ah, maybe not. And then it'll get into his head. Maybe he turns off the podcast when he hears I'm gonna drop him. Um, oh boy, there's just there's just
1: nothing exciting out there uh, past all the players you have on your team. Thank you. Um, yeah, Cousins was I knew he'd be good, but he was he was good. Fine. Skinner's really letting me. I, he was another player I was gonna bring up. I know he's having a great season, but he's been a little too quiet as of it's been a streaky
0: goal scorer he's always been
1: yeah that's true that's true i just i'd like to see a little more from him from the top line but everyone else like tuck and tage thompson being incredible i still hold him um i'll hold for for now i guess and maybe next episode we'll shake it up if if we continue falling further and further back
0: yeah i will also hold and on our next show on monday we'll talk about another must win game where they're facing the sharks out in san jose on saturday it's uh like I said, must win another bottom feeder team that you need to take advantage of and then head home for a long, grueling stretch of uh, Eastern Conference teams that are going to, you know, pay dividends if you win. Keep moving up that ladder. But we'll move on to our next segment for you, Phil. The Buttes are getting a mascot. Phil, they're asking for nominations for naming said mascot. So we figured, and this was your idea, so you can uh, you can take credit for this one. Name that mascot. I have uh, two suggestions, and I guess I'll throw them out right now. First one that came to mind, blue, but I don't know what color mascot they're going to be. It's probably going to be baby blue like their jerseys. It would be at least my suggestion to do. But when I think of blue, first, I think of your cat. Second, I think of blue from Jurassic Park. So I don't know if you can name the mascot blue. So I went with Betty Buffalo. I, I think Betty Buffalo could be another good option. You got the alliteration with the two Bs. I think uh, I went with Betty Buffalo. I don't, I don't know if you can top Betty. Yeah, I don't know if, if blue is just too simple. If it's literally. If you could it's also literally... change the like, the, like, blue cheese. You could <laughs> roll off that too.
1: Like. I just I don't I feel like blue is just too simple if it's gonna be a blue color mascot you know like just literally you're saying that the blue buffalo is named blue maybe buffalo. they
0: can't afford a bigger name maybe that's it maybe it's money
1: baby baby blue buffalo blue blue <laughs> blue cheese buffalo <laughs>
0: that sounds intimidating
1: um yes <laughs> yeah my only one outside of yours was a little bit more I guess cow-related, but similar to the, the alliteration, because you and I kind of went down the path of looking at all the mascots currently for the Buffalo area, and all of the mascots are word alliteration. You got Buster Bison, which is two Bs. You got Billy Buffalo. You got two Bs. You got Sabre... What's his name? Oh, my gosh. Sabretooth. Sabertooth. I was going yeah, like to say Sabre Sabretooth. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Sabertooth for the Sabers. <laughs> And then you got Rax the raccoon. So that every single one of them has alliteration. So I think we've both decided it has to be a B, no matter what. I think I mean yeah. at least following buffalo sports tradition that is currently and actively taking place, it's gotta be a B. So my other suggestion was was old Betsy.
0: Yes. Good old, <laughs> old good old Betsy. Betsy girl. <laughs> old
1: Betsy Buffalo. It's not bad. I, I don't, love it. I don't mind. Good Good old Betsy,
0: I just don't think it's very fearful. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be. I think no. oh maybe it would be. I mean, old Betsy, sneak up behind <laughs> you and get you i i think I think we need to start a petition here at the b s c and we need people to join us to name that mascot Betsy, <laughs> but when you say Betsy, you gotta say it with that twang that You'd old have Betsy to. girl. Betsy, Betsy the, the buffalo. buffalo. <laughs> yes. I think I think, she, I think she'd be, be great.
1: She'd be a fan favorite. Good old favorite. old Betsy.
0: <laughs> I mean, Gritty, Gritty's a fan favorite out in Philly. Everybody that's loves true. Gritty. Betsy could be the next Gritty. I, mean, I feel like for a new s-
1: mascot, Betsy sounds like she's 900 years old already.
0: <laughs> she might be. You know, girl.
1: <laughs> s- slowly rolls out. Old Betsy, there she is. <laughs>
0: Oh God, but yeah, if you want to support the name Betsy, just let us know and we'll actually start a petition, but I don't know how many people are actually going to be on the side of Betsy. But Phil, what everybody is on the side of is we actually have a playoff announcement. It's uh, not as great as we were hoping because we wanted the, you, you know, the Buffalo Buttes to have an opportunity and they still do. They but still do. They still do. They're not mathematically eliminated yet. Maybe that's why they put it out before this weekend because this weekend they could be officially eliminated. But the top 4 are going to make it. Semis is best of 3 and then the finals is one game. They're going to be taking place in Boston and Toronto. Not very shocking because they're the two best teams, but Buffalo, like I said, is still alive. They just need to win the rest of their games in regulation and get a lot of help. So they they, they need a lot of things to happen. So as of Saturday if they lose, they're pretty much mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But they're still alive as of this recording. Phil, the hope is still there.
1: The hope for Betsy. Hope Hanks. for Betsy Hanks seeing
0: playoffs for the first time ever is alive.
1: <laughs> They're gonna roll her out. Um yeah, it's it's great to have playoffs finally announced, almost with, you know, eight games remaining. And I don't know, we're new to the league, so we I, I feel like we're we're coming in with a negative attitude because we're coming we in have a lot of it from the NLL. And, uh, their lack of announcing a lot of things. So this late in the season, finally getting a playoff announcement of what the playoff structure is, not even just when they're going to play the games or where they're going to be played, but exactly who's making it seems kind of strange, um, at this point in the season, but it was not the announcement we were kind of hoping for with last year. Every team made it this year. They added, one team they got up to seven and now that they have seven they are knocking it down to the top four teams make it so buffalo like we said still alive still possible need a lot of help need to go on an incredible run it is possible but they are looking not so great
0: they uh their fax machine was broken that's why it took so long to that's fair. get this announcement out yeah it's, it's like uh when that nfl draft they didn't get the the draft pick i think it was the vikings didn't get it up in time and like three teams jumped them it's uh they lost their pen or something there there <laughs> needs to be a logical reason why it took until february 17th to come up with the uh the structure if you knew it ahead of time if you knew this going into the season why wasn't it just announced that i feel like the team should know this but yeah like you said first time in the league we'll let it go this year but next year We wanted to announce before the season even kicks off because that seems logical, but you know, nothing ever seems, nothing logical ever happens for Buffalo and other teams. I don't know. I'm not being logical now anyways, but what is logical? I guess that's another transition. I don't know how well it is, but Saturday, Sunday, Buttes are traveling to Minnesota to fight the Whitecaps and uh, Whitecaps are coming in 10, 4, and 2, third place in the the standings, 32 points. Buffalo's dead last, 2, 12, and 2 for 8 points. Goals for Minnesota, they're averaging 306, Buffalo is down at 207, so Minnesota just a hair below one more goal a game than the Buffalo Buttes. Minnesota giving up 2.38, Buffalo a whopping 4.5. Power play, it doesn't get any better for the Buttes here. Uh, Minnesota is top in the league at 231, 23% on the on the, the pen, or power play, I'm I'm stuttering with my uh with Betsy Betsy kicked me and then uh Buffalo 16 close to 17 percent of the power play but what is in favor of the Buttes here we'll end on a good note The penalty kill Minnesota's down at 79 percent Buffalo's way up at 86 percent on the penalty kill
1: yeah we have one category we are leading and we are going to run away with that category it's going to be amazing we're going to finish number one in the league in that category because we can but As far as this game goes, I mean, like you said, I mean, the Buttes have been struggling statistically all year, so I mean, lining up these teams, you know, again, with statistics, back-to-back, it doesn't look good against pretty much anyone they're going against, except maybe some of these other bottom teams that they will be going up against eventually, but... As of right now, a lot of the stats just don't look good. I mean, Minnesota is still a good team. I know we were kind of saying, like, it gets a little bit easier. This is probably your last really tough competition. I mean, the whole league stuff. I'm not saying that the other games are going to be a cakewalk for a team that's in last place. But this is going to be another really tough one. This is still a very good team. But at the same time, the Buttes have been playing much better as of late. Again, they've gotten a lot more back to basics. Just finding the little things that they can roll together to make work to kind of just Gain some positivity and just, you know, focus on the little wins here and there to try to get your season back in shape. And this is another game they can do that. It's not Boston. It's not Toronto. It's not quite that elite level of a team, but they're still a very good team. It's going to be a tough series, but one, hopefully, with what the Buttes have been able to put together. And again, even more time off, which just seems crazy how many weeks they get off. But hopefully they can kind of use that time off or did use that time off to once again, continue to focus on the little things and they can roll something really solid this weekend.
0: Yeah. Second time you've seen the white caps, January 7th, they lost four to one January 8th. They lost five to three and another nice positive note for Minnesota. They're coming in on a six game winning streak. So good for them, Phil, but some uh, names to keep an eye on Joanna Albers, Numbers, I'm sorry, number three, nine goals, eight assists, 17 points. Natalie Snodgrass, eight, number eight, eight, nine, and 17. Uh, Two really good forwards on this team. Sydney Moran, number five, seven, eight, and 15 from the defense corp. And then Patty Marshall, number 27, two, nine, and 11. So their defense corps can also chip in the points, being three and four on their team in points. And then in net, Amanda LaBelle. 9-4, Amanda Lavelle, 9-4-2, Nine twenty save percentage, and a 2.41 goals against. she's going to be tough to beat, but I mean, it, it's been a struggle all year for the Buffalo Buttes to put pucks in the back of the net and to keep pucks out of their net. I'm hoping that they can take advantage of what they have learned throughout the whole season so far, 16 games, in, and can put in a solid effort against a team that's not the top tier the second tier team and make a statement known because uh, be spoiler at this point, be a spoiler team and try to knock, you know, the white caps down a notch. They're trying to clinch that third seed or try to catch up to Toronto and Boston. Play spoiler. That's what you got to be doing at this point. Be the team that everybody's going to hate because you ruin their season.
1: Not only that, I mean, we talked about it in our devil's avocado that we played. I mean, this is GM jobs on the line. This is coaching jobs on the line. This is, Player jobs on the line for some of these players. I mean, we haven't watched this team enough, I'm not saying the season, but outside of the season to really know that, you know, there's any roster shakeups that need to happen with these players. I think the team itself, player-wise, is very good. But, again, everyone's fighting for their careers every single game and every single sport that's out there. So the rest of the season, even if it's lost playoff-wise, which it's not quite statistically, but even if it is, this is literally jobs on the line. So, I mean, this is the Sabres of last year, you know, show that when your interim head coach came in, I know it's the same head coach, so it's not that similar, but the end of the season, the Sabres were mathematically out of playoffs, but they rolled and they had a really solid end of the season. They got some excitement from their fans, got a you know team to really build and grow together. And they rolled that into this season. Now look at where they are. So even if the season playoff-wise might be lost this year, you can still end the season on a good note and roll that into next year and really start next season on a high note. And there's a lot of jobs on the line for this team right now. So every single one of these games, even if it's not for this season, is still meaningful for this team.
0: Yeah, I think you put it perfectly when you said the GM's jobs on the line, the coach's jobs on the line, and some of these players as well. Only four of the 26 players that are signed with this team right now will be back next year for sure, because only four of those 26 have two-year deals. The rest of them are on one-year deals, so you're not just fighting for your spot on this team. You're fighting for your spot in this league, and if you want to play a little bit more selfish and look for your statistics, play as a team, but look to build those statistics because you're playing for your spot in the league. Usually, teams that are playing in dead last it's it there's reasons for it so you got to play better than that i think going into this weekend you're going to be looking to, uh, once again you've been doing it good the last two or three series now limit the shots against because if they're not being able to get shots to the goalie they're not going to be able to score generate some scoring opportunities and maintain the puck in the offensive zone if the puck's in their end they're not going to be able to score get back on defense you know watch the the odd odd rushes back and then the last one just try to snag some points here like i said the rest of the schedule lightens up. You're facing the 4th, 5th, and 6th uh, place teams in the standings. This is the 3rd place team. Play spoiler. Try to snag a point out of this one and just look to keep building it for the rest of the games on the schedule. But Phil, with closing out here, like we said, they got 6 more games out of the series. Are you making any changes to your BSC team that consists of Newton, McPherson, Kepler, Kramer, and Healy? I have Mentis, Dobson, Maud, Dove, and Madzika.
1: No, I've still been uh, quite enjoying the players I chose for the beauty, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rolling. I like my team.
0: I also like my team, so I'm gonna roll with what I got too. It's uh two for two with no changes here, Phil. So we'll move on to our final segment here, Buffalo Bandits. They are back off a of bye, but the team they're facing is also off a of bye. Seven and two bandits host the three and four Philly wings on wing night. It's uh I don't like this one because you're just playing off the team that is coming. I know you have wings in Buffalo. Buffalo's known for wings, but you're playing off the Buffalo or the Philadelphia Wings. I don't I'm not a big fan of this night. Call me a ground... Sh- a- Grouch, Grinch, whatever you want to call it, but Buffalo third in the East and goals four at thirteen point five. Philly is seventh in the East, so not dead last, but pretty dang close. Ten point two nine goals against Buffalo is second in the East at ten point four five. Philly coming in fourth in the East at eleven eight six. Last game that the Buffalo Bandits faced versus Philly it was a thirteen nine win, ten to three second half by the Bandits, an explosion there, and uh, they got to stay out of the box, Phil, because Philly had seven opportunities, they only cashed in on two of them, but. I mean, you cash in on three more, it's a game.
1: Yeah, that was a a strange game. I remember it being a little bit nerve-wracking. Obviously, the first half was a little bit closer than we would have liked, especially against Philly. We thought that the Bandits would be able to roll in and do okay, but Higgins was just playing out of his mind, as goalies tend to enjoy to do against Buffalo, play the best game they've ever played in their lives and look incredible, and then luckily the Bandits seem to put it all together in the second half and come out in the third quarter and are – a team we've never seen before, except only in the third quarter of every single game where they're just incredible. But Philly is, is, uh, I mean, we're going to say it the rest of the season. when <laughs> I feel like at this point in the season, Buffalo has two kinds of games. They have really good games against teams like Rochester, Toronto, maybe Halifax, and then you have trap games against pretty much the rest of the league. Because at this point, the top three are pretty much taking off in the East. They're all seven and two and every single game matters. I mean, Halifax is four and five, but we think the talent is much better than their record shows. So that one's a little bit interesting, but the rest of the league, as far as the East goes, is pretty much out of it. So all of them are, I mean, obviously that last spot with maybe Halifax and that extra wild card spot is still up there, but they're all trying to play spoiler to the teams like the bandits, trying to knock them out of first, knock them down a peg, whatever. So any of these types of games are pretty much going to be trap games the rest of the way, and Philly is looking a little bit better with their recent addition, which you will mention in a moment, but for the most part, it's still the Wings. We have no idea what this Buffalo roster is going to look like. Is Josh Byrne going to be back? Is anyone else going to be back? I don't think so with what we're seeing and hearing and kind of assuming we have nothing official, but doesn't maybe seem like Byrne is ready to come back, but at the same time, The Bandits just played an incredible Rochester team without him and looked pretty good. I mean, Dane Smith put the team on his back, but the team stepped up in a major way with depth scoring and has been all season. So I'm trying not to get too worried about their offense anymore and trying to just settle in a little bit more and understand that despite the fact that the names might not be there, that their depth scoring on offense is a little deeper than I think we might have suspected at the beginning of the season.
0: I'm glad you're coming around to that, Phil. You got a uh, Josh Burns so, two point oh and It's so win, uh, hard to,
1: to relax looking at those names, I and mean, they're just yeah, they're there's, not they're not name value, but they're also just not supposed to be those guys. I mean, right. Robinson isn't supposed to have to put five goals up. He's supposed to be making lanes for people. It's just, it's a very weird season where players that aren't necessarily out there to score are being asked to score and score in bunches so it's it's been a little weird it's been nerve-wracking to see this forward group out there but every single week they come away with an incredible offensive output so at some point i'm just going to to settle down a little bit and enjoy the show
0: so like we do every week we will preview the philly team here and it does look a little bit differently a not so friendly, familiar face is back from the West Coast from Vancouver. Mitch Jones completely forgot about that trade when I was doing the preview here, but diving into it is like, yeah, that, that's a little scary. He's coming in, uh, he's got 41 points on the season, but just last game, he had a six-point game, two goals, four assists with his first time on the team. He's going to be a big power play guy, so you definitely got to stay out of the box. Blaze Reardon and Matt Rambo on the other side as well, Reardon having a good season, 17 goals, Matt Rambo being more of the facilitator. And then on the right-hand side, Sam LeClaire, who's still a young guy coming up. He's got eight points on the year, but then Ben McIntosh, 26 points on the season so far. He's got four goals on the power play, and Joe Reseteris, who the offense kind of runs through since his coming over. From uh, Albany in the offseason, he's got 17 goals, 24 assists, 41 points, but he's got the eight points on the power play. So this is a big team where you don't want to give them those opportunities on the power play. Buffalo has been and will always be trouble staying out of the box. This is a game where you definitely want to stay out of the box a I don't want to insult them by calling them an inferior opponent, but based on the numbers and everything, they are an inferior opponent to the Buffalo Bandits. You can't give them those opportunities, those free opportunities on the power play. Be smart, stay out of the box. You've been a good job. You you've done a good job of adjusting at halftime to stay out of the box in the second half. You gotta start doing that in the first half. You can't go down on teams once again and hope that your offense, who is depleted, can come back in the second half like you did against Philly it's it's going to be a more difficult game for this defense, having Mitch Jones on the left-hand side now. Yeah, I think the defense
1: is going to be interesting from the
0: standpoint of where are
1: they chemistry-wise? I mean, nine games in, but also Bombari has only played a couple games, so he's still pretty new. I think maybe this with the off, with the off week, and I'm not sure if they practiced on their off week or just took it as a bye week, but at the same time, I think this defense is just going to continue to grow more and more, but like you said, it's a little bit more of a challenge than maybe last time they saw Philly with only nine goals against, and like you mentioned, two for seven on the power play. With a player like Mitch Jones on one side and Reza Territz on the other now, they have a little bit more of a balanced offense, so something like that is just not going to fly again. And something we kind of kept track of a lot last season, I don't want to say prided ourselves on it, but was the... Plus minus of each individual quarter
0: throughout the entire season.
1: Oh, okay. Hit me because I'm interested.
0: Well, uh, I was going to do it later on, but uh, first quarter, Buffalo has a two goal advantage, 23 to 21. In the second quarter, they have a four goal advantage, 35 to 31. So in the first half, if you did that math, 58 to 52 in the first half, six goal advantage. The third quarter, Phil, is where it comes in handy. They have outscored their opponents 39-18. to That's a 21-goal difference. That's that's where they come alive. They make the adjustments at halftime. They come alive on the defensive and offensive end. It's their highest scoring quarter, and it's their lowest scoring giving up quarter. In the fourth, it's 25-24, one-goal advantage. So in total, they are 64-42 and in the second half, 22-goal advantage in the second half. And uh, they're outscoring their opponents 28. It's uh, quite impressive. 122 goals on the season so far on an injured offense and only given up 94. They've done a very good job, but that third quarter is key for them.
1: Yeah, I really thought the first half would have been a little bit more negative. I'm kind of shocked that there's zero negative. I know they're 7-2, and two, so it, it's, I guess at that point, kind of hard to have too many negatives. But at the same time, we've seen so many second quarter runs, or second half runs recently, where they're they seem down in the first and have to come back. But I guess they're not
0: really down and it's out. It's mostly it just two seems games. Like it. It's two games. It's the first half, Buffalo versus Toronto, they were up eight to four, and then versus Georgia in the first of the two games, it was 10-6 at half.
1: Yeah, so outside of those two games, I feel like their first half is usually a little rougher. Th- we're just, especially the first quarter, they seem to come out flat a little bit often, and I think that the first half is something they need to absolutely work on, and outside of that, obviously that fourth quarter does not sound great, and oftentimes they allow teams to kind of creep back in and make it a little bit closer. But I think the first half in general is something we'd like to see a little bit more of a, a statement first half come out and even with a, a couple goal lead, but just come out a little bit more on fire than they seem to. I mean, oftentimes I feel like they score the first goal, but then they just kind of, I don't know, disappear for a little bit. I mean, Rochester ended up going up, what, five-one after Buffalo scored the first goal and then Rochester stormed through and scored five more and Buffalo just had no answer until a little bit closer to half when they got to five, three. And then obviously the second half kind of took off. But I think the, the first half of this, the games just throughout the season, I think I would just like to see them come out a little bit more. I mean, just the first half seems to be overall a struggle for the bandits. I mean, again, not obviously by much, but I just would like to see a little bit more dominant first half. And I know we're asking a lot of a seven and two team, but at the same time, I think just the, we we are. I mean, we're we're looking for perfection. We're trying to win a championship here. We got to nitpick the little bit of things that we can nitpick because that's what we do. So, a little bit stronger first half would be great. At the same time, just keep doing what you're doing because you guys are playing great.
0: Yeah, it seems like they're using the first half to more feel out their opponents and figure out what they're doing, and then use the the halftime to adjust to what they're doing and counteract it. But uh, another thing they're going to have to counteract is the transition in defense. I'm just on you know a transition non-stop here and into the transition here. Oh, what another one? Kyle Matisse, Phil. Uh, I know that name's going to hurt every time we say it. Two goals, 15 assists, 17 points, 45 loose balls. Really wish he would have came to Buffalo, but I knew there was no chance since he's the captain of the team. Trevor Batiste, uh, you're going to hear his name a lot because he's in the face up dot and he's really, really good at it. Uh, he is 114 for 166. If you can't do that math, it's 69%. Last time he faced Buffalo, 16 for 25 in the face-up dot, and just in week 10 alone, he was perfect going 22 of 22. He is not the Jake Wheeler- Withers, but he might be second or third best, depending on if you like TD Erlen a little bit better, but he's just a beast in the, in the face-up jet. Chad Tutton, defender, 50 loose balls, 11 cause turnovers, 7 block shots. He's a mammoth back there, along with Ryan Wagner. 45 loose balls, 6 cost turnovers, 14 block shots. So those are two guys that you're going to have to sneak the ball by, especially if this offense is hurting. And then in net, Zach Higgins, 3-3, 11.71 goals against 78% percentage. He was the sole reason that Philly was in in the first half. He just shut him down, and then the Buffalo Bandits were able to get to him in the second half, but that's what you're looking at in the back end. You know, with Philly's
1: season, I mean, they're definitely still in, especially with that acquisition of Mitch Jones. They are by far not giving up on their season but as things go on i mean maybe uh kyle matisse could be available closer to trade i think online. he signed a three-year deal uh, to I, don't, I don't care I don't, think he's I don't care gonna be there I don't care. yeah i don't care I, I would just like him back
0: all right <laughs> but Dietrich, yes, the... uh make the phone call we're we're requesting it we yes. requested the phone call in the off-season. didn't happen uh trade him you, you love trades bring him here i love it
1: we'll take Uh, Yeah, no, that's the only one I really want from this team We'll give
0: you a sixth round pick for him, Philly You love sixth round picks Deal Lick your wounds from losing the Super Bowl Trade (laughs) us (laughs) Kyle
1: We'll also take AJ Brown for the Bills, if you don't mind. That if too, that's yes. uh if we can just cross Jalen Hurts. Like, <laughs> cross league. <laughs> yeah, Bonta Josh stuff. Allen and Jalen Hurts in the same backfield with AJ Brown oh, and Diggs deadly. on the outside. Love Who's it. gonna
0: throw it? Love Who's it. gonna run? I don't know. It? You don't know. don't
1: know. You don't know. We don't know. <laughs> All right, we're way off track here. Uh yeah, so transition defense, pretty solid, especially their transition game. Again, I know the goals aren't necessarily there, but the assists are. Matisse is someone we've mentioned who stays out on the floor a little bit longer. Baptiste, just incredible in the face-off. And then Wagger just true stay-at-home defenders, but really good at what they do. And then Higgins, like you mentioned, his first half was incredible. Luckily, the bands were able to get to him in the second half. Hopefully, they learn what happened between the first half and the second half, this being the second time they're playing him, just kind of how they were able to get it past him and what happened in the first half that he was able to stop them so much. But learning experience from that first game and hopefully a big win in the second.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're definitely going to want to figure out and shut down Joe Reseteris. I feel like the offense runs through him. You got Mitch Jones on the other side now, so like you said, it's more balanced on the offensive end there. But I think the offense, because Mitch Jones has only been there, this will be two full weeks he's been there, one game in the bye week, I think the offense is still going to run through Joe R. So if you shut that down and you control – him and don't let he's still going to get his points but if you limit what he can do you're going to limit what that offense can do in general and then get to Zach Higgins early you weren't able to capitalize in the first quarter you look very sloppy second quarter you just shut everything down then the third and fourth quarter you rolled them 10 to 3 in the second half if you get to him early you're going to shake his confidence he, he's been known to kind of go into a shell of himself if you get to him early Hopefully they do that, but the the Bandits, you can see they they kind of figure out their opponents in the first half and then just, you know, put their foot on their throat in the second half and come back. But the, the last thing is, I think we touched on it to start this segment. What is this team going to look like? Is Josh Byrne going to be back? He was in street clothes on that video that they did where they were asking, you know, if you're st- stranded on a desert island, who do you want? Who do you not want? He poked his head in there and he was in street clothes. He wasn't practicing. Frazier still needs a new contract and he's still not back yet. There's there's talk that him and Kloosh aren't close yet based on what Johnny T said, but then, you know, Dietrich said that they're all close. I don't know what the were. I wouldn't get bet they're back until at least April, but I don't know anything. I have no idea. That's just a simple guess. But I think names that you might remember, Nate Kiznetsikov, Kiznetsikov. I do it every time, Phil. <laughs> Kiznetsikov, he has been questionable like the last three weeks. Is he gonna make his return? Justin Robinson was shown at practice. He's practicing, but he also needs a deal. No, no, he just signed a deal, I believe. I think he signed a two year deal not that long ago. I think uh he, he he was on the practice he was on the field practicing. So those are two names, but if they're going in, who's coming out is the big question for me.
1: I think it's one of those things where if you have all three Robinsons on the floor at one time, you are automatically gifted, I think, a free goal. Is it what works. the yeah. NLL bylaws say. So you as get a long wish as year, yeah, it's it's a, it's a power up, and you automatically start the game one nothing if you have all three Robinsons out there. So they definitely need to get him out there sooner than later. And in general, joking aside, he was an incredible defender for them last year before his injury, and he just looked really really good as the season continued to progress. He was a very good stay at home defender, was one of the better ones we've seen. When that injury happened, I know you and I were. Kind of in shock, not only for the injury, but as well as how well he was playing for defense and what it meant. It was toward the end of the season, what it meant for the Bandits and playoffs. And obviously, they took a little bit of a hit in playoffs with him missing. So with him back out there, what does this defense look like? And like you said, who is coming off? And I think the big thing with who's coming off is that, I mean, if you... Even if we want to talk way down the line, I mean, if you have Byrne, Cloutier, and Fraser all in, I just don't know what this team looks like. I don't know who you're removing from the offense currently to make room for all these players. I know Solver's been a little bit of a rotational guy, and he's mainly been an injury fill in, but he's been playing pretty well. McCully has a niche role on the offense as well, but he's been more of a fill in, even though we like him quite a bit. But I mean, you're solid players. I mean, Nanakoke's not going anywhere. Smith obviously isn't going anywhere. Burns not going anywhere. J Rob or uh, Brandon Robinson's not going anywhere. The other Robinson and then um, Buchanan's not going anywhere. So I, I just don't know where. Obviously, if Kluch comes back, Kluch is going in, but like Fraser and even Kazetikoff, just if they were given the opportunity to play, like you mentioned, who is leaving the field? I don't know if they would put one of those guys as more of a transition
0: type player and take out a defender. I just, well, I think you'll I get Ian know. McKay back on defense, so that l- opens right, one right. spot. I think you'll pull out probably Carter McKenzie, who's been a healthy scratch. You might send him down to the practice squad. This is just all on the fly on the top of my head. I think he might go down. You might see Dalton Solver go down on the practice squad. I think you got to cut them and put them down because they didn't start on the practice squad, but don't quote me on that. But I think the benefit is a good problem to have, I guess, because you now you know you oh, have absolutely. that depth scoring. Right.
1: That's something they... Again, I want to say they're missing, but I guess they're technically not missing that because they've been doing perfectly fine without these players. I know McKay filling in on offense has been weird, but he's also known to do it, especially in summer. So it's not something he is not used to. So I uh, mean, future transition player of the year, Ian McKay. That guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. And he's playing just an absolutely incredible season, both offense and defense. So having him fill in on offense has been great. But even if he Drops back to defense again. Where's J Rob fit into the defense at this point with bomb out there and all these other defenders that are playing great that you don't want to take off the field. So like you said, a great problem to have too much depth is always fantastic, especially with these bajillions of players who are on holdout or all these other random lists that we will likely never see these players, even though we would love to see these players. But even if they were some of those other players were to come back again, I I just don't know who you're taking off so too much talent is always great to have but it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of finagle some of these players back on the field
0: yeah two things before we move on Justin Robinson did sign the two year deal I confirmed it I was right about that one and then uh, Kuznetsov. Please play so I can hear how your last name is pronounced. So if I know you have been butchering it, which I have been, I can get it corrected. So uh, let's uh, let's hope he gets on the field just for that fact alone. Nothing on the field talent-wise. I just want to know his name. But uh, any changes to your BSC team, which currently stands at Smith, Nanticoke, Brandon Robinson, Ian McKay, and Matt Spanger. I have Josh Byrne, Brad McCully, Kyle Buchanan, Steve Prillo and Nick Weiss. No, I think our teams are uh, really good. There yeah, I good. wish we had an IR so I could put Josh Byrne there and put somebody <laughs> else, there's no way I'm dropping him. So Yeah, no, he'd be while. But Phil, uh, with that, what is your score prediction for this game on Saturday in Banditland? All right, we're gonna be home.
1: It's gonna be cold. And uh like I know you mentioned it earlier, wing night. I, guess, I mean you're like you're it. you're roasting the wings, I guess. If you're hosting the wings, you get to roast them. So I guess there's that. The other question I had, do they serve wings at the arena? Do They, like, they do. Okay. They do. I don't know where, but they do. So those better be half off. <laughs> that's Half off wings. That's all I'm saying. Um, right. So we won 13-9, 10-3 second half. I don't think that's going to repeat itself as far as 10-3 second half. It might again, but I feel like the bandits are more prepared this time. I'm going to go... 15 let's have some fun i'll stick uh, we'll go 15 10 we'll give them 10 because i got mitch jones now so i'll
0: give them one extra goal so phil it is friday so i need my pk's hot corner and uh i know we do the predictions at each game but we don't do a prediction like this i have not been known to do it like this phil i got him winning 14 to 6 that's my hot corner i got philly only scoring six this defense is going to lock, lock them down mad Vince is going to have one of his best games he's ever had as a buffalo bandit and uh yeah 14 to 6 is my pk's hot corner wings just gave up what five goals they're only scoring six in this one
1: yeah considering they put up nine last time and then added a really good offensive player that'd be incredible and uh i'm here for they didn't it didn't play in bandit land though I'm here for on that's wing night true.
0: <laughs> still hate it, still hate it we will move final thing here, milestones we got a handful of them, and uh if Josh Byrne plays, if he plays, which I don't think he will be' because they got another buy next week, this is a weird month of buy game buy game buy it's it's February sucks. Not just because of the weather, but because (laughs) there's only two Bandits games. But he's only eight points away from passing Rich Kilgore for sixth place in Buffalo Bandits history. So if that does happen, he puts up eight. He's got sixth place. Now we'll move on to the players who are probably going to be playing. Dane Smith, nine points away from 900 on his career. He would be just the third player in Buffalo Bandits history to reach that number. It's just an incredible number just thinking about it. And since he's been averaging like over 100 points every year, is Johnny T's record in reach for Dane Smith. Matt Spanger is currently tied with Billy D. Smith for 11th place in Bandits history with 49 cause turnovers. Matt Bennett is 10th at 47 and Jay Thornbert is 9th at 48. If those names sound familiar, it's because Ian McKay not that long ago, like a couple of games ago, passed them on cause turnovers. Dane Smith is currently at 54 assists Phil, That is good for 15th With Mark Stainhouse for most assists in a single season for the Buffalo Bandits, he also holds that record. He is four away from moving into a tie for eight or 12th with 58. He is five away from tying 10th with 59. He's seven away from tying ninth with 61 and eight will get him into a tie for eighth with 62, all possible. And the last one, Phil, I got a question to follow up with this one. He's just seven points away this is dane smith once again to getting into the top 25 in points in a single season for buffalo bandits at 80 phil how many players in buffalo bandits history have had 80 or more points in a single season and who are they i don't know who they are but didn't you pretty much just tell me how many there were i said there were uh, did i
1: I mean Dane Smith no, will I get didn't. into the top twenty five of points in a single season with the bandits at yes, eighty but points. So there's not twenty five be like,
0: players. Because players have oh, done it multiple times. It. Yes. Now I got you. All right.
1: Oh, yeah, I really thought I had hedged you there. Um Okay, so Johnny T did it what seven seven or eight times probably. And he did uh, it eleven times. Oh my gosh. All right. Well that takes out That half is one of though. That. Dane
0: Smith's done it. A lot himself. Dane Smith has done it six times. So that's seventeen All of the right. top twenty five right there. Stainhouse
1: has done it. There
0: are five more names. Stainhouse is one of them. He has done it three times. Okay, so there's so, five more names. Okay. Or five more five more people accomplishments with there's four more people.
1: Is there uh is there a Kilgore on that
0: list? There's not a Kilgore. What? That's crazy.
1: Uh I know they were both more defense, but I figured at some point Oh boy, we are testing the knowledge now
0: um two on this list will be playing well are on the teams that are be playing this weekend
1: Thorumbert. Thorimbert? Nope. i didn't think so he's on new what york anyway well you said this oh you mean like uh,
0: wait the bandits game in bandit land like mitch jones mitch jones did it once wow joe reseteris no dang
1: <laughs> that's why i bandit? said he's on
0: this team he was banned
1: um just did it last year. He's on the Bandits right now? Yep, just did it last year. Oh, Burn, What am I... Yep,
0: yep. Josh Byrne did it once, and you're Yikes. missing two. This guy did it twice, and the other guy did it once. I
1: mean, Burn's not playing this. Well, we actually have no idea. That's uh, why I
0: switched and said this weekend they're on this team. So. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Okay, what was your last hint? Uh, This one guy did it twice. The other guy did it once. One of them's East Coast. The guy that did it twice <laughs> is East Coast. The other guy that did it once is West Coast.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to... Have you give it to me? I, I have no idea. Ryan Banesh did it twice. Oh, my gosh. I got to.
0: And then Sean Evans did it once.
1: Ugh. Sean Evans, get him out of here. I'm sad yeah, I uh, forgot about Benny. Wasn't uh, Crawford? I'm surprised he never got it when he was. He was
0: only here for half a season. That's fair. But he became your Well, favorite. he might have been here for half a season and then another half a season. So he might have been here for a full <laughs> total season, but it was really only Broke two out. half seasons. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, pretty impressive that, uh, you know, Johnny T's done it 11 times. Josh or Dane Smith has done it six times and Mark Stainhouse has done it three times. So uh, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Dane Smith's about to get it seven times. It's going to be pretty impressive and uh, yeah. knock one of these guys off one. Yeah, so Smith
1: will have to do it at least 12 times in order to really really fight for johnny's record i also like that johnny was go. number 11 did it 11 times
0: he knew when to stop there you go he planned it that's why he retired when he did but phil anything else on this episode before we shut it down and uh get ready for a a busy weekend in uh, buffalo sports including heading to Banditland? yeah i'm pretty pretty
1: pumped to get back out there and then uh, once it's over and we cash in another w i'll be sad
0: to take another week off yeah another week off not just because you won't be having a home game but because the team's literally off right but uh yeah On our next show on monday we will dissect the buffalo bandits game versus the wings we will talk about the two games that the buffalo buttes faced versus versus minnesota and then we got the one sabers game to talk about and then any other news that arises because uh bison season is right around the corner phil it's right around the corner but Before thank you all we for shut listening it down
1: yeah go right ahead just qu- super quick thought it wouldn't make sense that burn wouldn't play this week if they have another week off Yep, yep. Because now That's why I'm if, thinking if he's, he's, yeah, if he's out this week, you give him two weeks again, and he gets essentially a month off to rest that ankle. And yep. again, they're 7-2. You're not going to want to push it. So I would say it's highly unlikely we see Josh Byrne floating around out there this weekend.
0: Phil's hot take. Phil's, Phil's hot, hot take. For take. No play. Josh Byrne. <laughs> But thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, bye bye